It's Christmas time at the Learner House, and 12-year-old Luke is working up the courage to make a move on his hot babysitter, Ashley. The night takes a turn for the worst when armed assailants break into the house, but something isn't right. A big reveal turns everything on its head and changes Ashley's life forever in the 2016 holiday home invasion thriller, Better Watch Out. I'm Connor Izagari. I'm Caleb Boucher. And this is Filmgasm. Happy Wednesday, everyone. Welcome to the Filmgasm podcast. Today, we continue our holiday lineup with a modern holiday cult classic, 2016's Better Watch Out, a film that defies audience expectations in a very smart way and gives us one of modern horror's most despicable villains, I think. This kid can go fuck himself. Uh, Caleb, have you seen this one before, or was this your first time with this one? No, this is my second time watching it. Okay. Uh, First time was not too long after it came out. I'd heard about it from a couple, like from my horror sites I were talking about, saying, "Oh, you should check this out." It's, you know, it's an out there uh, film. I was like, "Okay, cool." So it was a Christmas. It was December around the time I watched it. I was like, "Okay, I'm down, down." See this little Christmas horror film, and I went in blind. Didn't know too much about it because that's what I really there. I was like, "Got to go in blind." I was like, "Okay," went in blind, and when the big twist comes, which I won't reveal now, I'm sure we'll talk about it here soon. Um, but when it, when it happens, I was like, "Oh." Shit, not the movie I thought I was going to get. Mm. Uh, Cause at first I'm like, okay, I don't see why people are freaking out. Like I've seen a home invasion film before. Just, this one takes place on Christmas. Um, yeah. And uh, once that twist happens, it's like, oh wow, okay, nah, I haven't seen this before. This is different. <laughs> yeah, I Josh advised me to go in blind and not look up look up anything about the movie. I'm very glad I didn't do that because yeah, the, the first like 15 minutes, I kept thinking, wow, the babysitter stole a lot from this. <laughs> And then it turned into what it is. And I'm like, oh, okay, never mind. Because <laughs> it is a very creative uh, left turn that you don't expect the first time you're watching this. Like, I was audibly shocked. I'm like, oh, shit. What? And then it just, yeah, it descends into hell. This crazy fucking kid. Uh, yeah, very creative. Uh, I'm glad we decided to add this to our holiday lineup for this for this year. I thought we were starting to run out of Christmas themed horror films after we've done like Black Christmas and Gremlins and Silent Night, Deadly Night. It's like, what do we have left? <laughs> but no, if, you, I don't know, if you look, there's a whole plethora. Of, I did. I looked and now, now I know what we're doing next year. Like we yeah. got plenty of fodder. We're going to be fine. You got, yeah, you got like, not the Michael Caine one, the other one, Jack Frost. You have um, one that I look forward to doing one year, Christmas Evil. Oh yeah, that's we got that planned for next year. That's going to be part of our lineup. I was going to say this is actually a very solid little movie. Um, really good film. Um, but yeah, there's there's plenty that exists. I just don't get talked about a lot. But luckily, places like Vineyard Syndrome or Error or you know any other boutique label you can think of finds them and puts them out to be reseen. So, um, you'd be it's surprising how much that actually does exist. Actually, speaking of Silent Night, Deadly Night. As you know, I own the first two. I just placed a pre-order on the on the set that includes the um the last three in the in the series. Cause I'm like, I, I have to see these films. Um <laughs> especially because uh fun fact for Silent Night Daily Night Five. Well, fun fact for the series, after three, they have nothing to do with each other. Um even three is like a tenuous con- connection at best. Um but five is special because one, a lot of people are actually considered one of the better sequels like it actually has some pretty favorable reviews um 
but also Mickey Rooney, who vehemently hated the first film and talked about how it was ruining Christmas and blah, 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 and like was ardently against that movie, stars in part five. <laughs> yeah, money talks. <laughs> Especially if you're Mickey Rooney at that time. Yeah. <laughs> oh, a, a line from Night at the Museum just popped in my head when Mickey Rooney tells Ben Stiller, you want the job or not, Snack Shack? <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah, we got plenty of Silent Night, Deadly Night to keep us warm in the winter. So, yeah, we'll, we'll never run out of material to talk about at Christmas, which is nice. Yeah. Uh, I, I also love that both Jack Frost came out pretty close to each other, and there were a lot of mix-ups at Blockbuster in 98. Yeah. <laughs> but, look, honestly... The night, the one that without Michael Keane, like the actual like Killer Santa, uh, Snowman one, it's cheesy, but it's so much fun. Um, I was actually looking at getting the the Vinegar Syndrome, but they uh, went out of print, and I wasn't paying attention, so I'm kind of mad. I'm hoping it gets picked up by someone else, but I was I was looking to add that to to my to to my list of stuff. I'm glad that you and Josh have turned me on to competitive film shopping. It's actually quite fun. It's amazingly fun. It is. Yeah. Especially if you um have like a region free Blu-ray player or you know, for anyone who has a 4K player. Um and then you can get out, you know, expand even more and be like, okay, let's look at stuff like Second Sight, 88 films, one one, all that stuff. And those guys, like I know um obviously Dark Sky announced that they're putting out 4K of Texas Chainsaw Massacre next year, which I fucking can't wait for. It's gonna go so nicely with my of one of TCM two. But I think second side, the guys who did Dawn of the Dead, they announced theirs as well. So there's like now two competing ones. So it's like a matter of like which one looks nice, which one has a better, you know what I mean? Like it's 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 entertaining. It's fun. <laughs> yeah, it is fun. It's I, yeah, I'm all about top dollar now when it comes to purchasing films. I want the best quality. I want the best version. I want the bonus features. I want. I only want to buy. I want. I want to buy these movies for the last time. Yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. That's why I'm. That's why I'm like, like, like if you know, whenever 4K happened, people are like, oh, I'm not doing what I did when I went from DVD to Blu-ray, and I did like replace all my shit. One because they were actually at that point making an effort to fucking put shit out on Blu-ray, um, as opposed to 4K, they're kind of picking, which I get, you're picking and choosing what you want to put out, um, but if it's like I talk about four, like, look, I won't get anything like. For the most part, I want the best possible quality with anything I own. Now, if it's something I adore, like Texas Chainsaw Massacre, I'm absolutely going to make that upgrade. Like, without a doubt, make that upgrade. Um, minus the little, you know, little issue I got to fix with my Black Christmas. You know, I love Black Christmas. Saw that Scream, Scream Factory was doing a, a 4K of it with all these new bonus features. And obviously, they're transferred to my little itty-bitty Blu-ray. I was like, fuck yeah, I'm doing that. Like, I love Black Christmas. So... If I love it enough, yeah, I'll make that upgrade in a in a heartbeat. Um, Evil Dead twenty thirteen. I just got Screen Factories because it's four K and has two different cuts of the film, theatrical and the unrated cut. Nice. We may have to redo Black Christmas next year. Do kind of a roundtable thing because that was an early filmgasm. Austin and I did it. I think you know. I'd like to hear you guys' thoughts on uh on Black Christmas. We might we might redo that next year. I'll think about that. I'm down. That'd be a lot of fun. Maybe. Uh, but yeah, better watch out. Uh, my question to you. So this film has a bit of a rarity in film, which is evil 
child. And I mean, like, not, you know, kill, not like, you know, Chucky or Damien or anything, but just a sociopathic, misogynist piece of shit teenager. <laughs> uh, so pretty much my question to you is, what are, who are some of your favorite evil movie children? You ever seen The Bad Seed? I love or, The Bad Seed. Yeah, the one, that's the one I'm thinking of with Macaulay Culkin, right? That's The Good Son. The Bad Seed was from 56. That's right. Okay, 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 okay. I mean, I've seen both. So, Bad Seed's really good. Um, that that will go to the say is creepy as hell. Uh, The Good Son, very like very underlooked film, in my opinion. Like Good Son, like everyone don't get me wrong. Like I get it, Macaulay Culkin, you know, obviously rose to very big problems thanks to my gore and um Home Alone, but no one talks about how fucking wickedly like just evil he is in uh, The Good Son. Him and a uh, young Elijah Wood. There we go. Um, that's like God. That scene where he like throws off the fucking the thing causes the power up on the highway. Holy shit! Still got to see the good son, but I've I I know about it. I I definitely want to check that out. I love a good evil Culkin. Uh, yeah, it's always you know children. It's it's freakier when kids kill or do evil things because you know they're obviously you know walking innocence so when you taint that innocence it's like you're not safe anymore anything can happen now and i think you know no one's ever gonna for me no one's ever topping damian thorne and the omen he's just you know the the poster child for evil piece of shit child uh yeah yeah there's also obviously children of corn um has you know, kids doing pretty uh, horrific things for the time. Um, is it? I think it's bur- bloody birthday. Yeah, uh-huh. yes, bloody birthday is another one. Um, people may not have heard of. I have the era of it actually. Um, but kids are born on um like a blood moon or some shit like that, and they're like it's like these three kids siblings, and they just are are born evil and do torturous stuff. It's I need to rewatch it. It's a little campy, but I remember it being. Definitely an outrageous film. <laughs> um, one of the creepiest is uh, Gage Creed from Pet Cemetery. Um, you know, just and that one's even creep like it's creepy because it's out of the kid's control. It's you know the, the horrible decision made by the father to resurrect flesh without soul, and that is just what happens at the end of that movie. It's, it's I, I'm not the biggest fan of the Pet Cemetery films, any of them, but the end of the first film when Gage just goes on a rampage, I think they did that very well. That's very creepy. Yeah. No, uh, I don't mind the first one. The The remake, it's something. Um, yeah, because uh, Gage, Gage uh, to me, he's always been kind of like the, he's one, one of the gold standards. I won't say the gold standard, but like when you think of creepy kids, he's up there, obviously, because uh, even at a young age, Michael, he's just fucking crushed it as as a child doing evil things and oh god I still think about like kind of gets me goosebumps but sometimes especially the whole like that's not nice when he gets like killed again at the end of the movie I'm just like just die kid just I, I just die I just the first time I think I watched film I was like please just kill the kid just let the kid die <laughs> um I love the reveal in sinister when you learn that the kids are the ones who's been who've been killing the families on the orders of Bagul, like that added a whole a whole different 
level of creep to that movie that stayed with me. Yeah. Oh God. Um. Yeah, especially because like the the sixteen millimeter sequence is already creepy enough with how they film them. Then when you find that out, you're like, oh fuck me. Um. To an extent, you can kind of. Uh, it's this one's. It's training it. But if you want to count the first season of Chucky, when it's established that he was always a a killer, even as a kid, when he had the scene like the robber comes in the house and like he he hides with his mom in the closet, and then he ends up fucking willingly killing his mom. It's like what the hell? Yeah, yeah, it was unnerving just knowing that you know evil was in Charles Lee Ray from day one. Um. One that stands out to me is, um, I don't remember her name, but the zombie kid in Night of the Living Dead who stabs her mom to death with the with the spade. Oh, yeah, and the music that plays at that time. Yeah, that that still holds up. That is so freaky because it's it's not out of hunger like every other zombie in that movie. It's it's out of like rage. It's such an odd death yeah. in a zombie movie. Oh. Uh. Obviously, I think another one that gets talked about a lot, the the opening to Halloween with Michael Myers. Yeah. When it's revealed that that was a kid that's just emotionless when they're just slaughtered his fucking sister. <laughs> let me yeah. think about that and John Carpenter. Let me let me let me flip it. Um how do you how do you feel obviously with a certain twist happens in this film about when the few films that willingly show us a kid being killed? Does that make you uncomfortable at all? In in Halloween ends or in this? In in this movie, but I'm thinking John Carpenter because of um Assault on Precinct 13. And oh he yeah. straight up just shows a kid die at the beginning of that movie. And you're like, holy shit, man. Yeah, that was it's I think it's it's different it's when they, rough to me. That is rough. It's you know, in that because it's it's you know it's the um the catalyst for the whole movie, but it's also just so innocent. It's, it's a little kid who wants ice cream and then just gets a bullet in the fucking head. And yeah, everyone just ha- doesn't really know how to process that to the point where the guy attacks a gang and causes a whole bunch of other death. Salt and Precinct Thirteen is great, and yeah, it is. It's for me. I don't know why, but it's it's worse when they get like shot because it's such a violent death. Okay. Yeah. That's fair. I was just, I was wrong because I know we have like obviously moments because without spoiling it yet, a, a, a kid dies basically. Yeah. Um, and really, I remember when I was watching this, I was like, honestly, the performance of of said kid is what sells the moment because you're just like, I didn't. I was like, oh, oh god, don't do it. And then you that gun, I'm like, oh. yeah, it's, it's always rough. Like. Yeah, it's genuine. Like it's he's not even like don't kill me. He's like holy hell, you shot me. Like I'm shot. I'm dying. Like he's 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 in. You know he's freaking out. Like that's it's very realistic. Yeah, he even is saying like I want to. He's you hear him say I want to see like my mommy or something like that. He kind of starts doing the classic reverting because he's freaking out and, and yeah, it, it's always like it's always interesting when like movies the few films I know obviously first Toxic Avenger I said over the top death scene with a kid. At the beginning of the movie, um, it's always rough when movie when movies go that because obviously they go in rolling films is don't kill, um, the pet, don't kill the kid, um, and I will personally never judge anyone that wants to put what they want to put in a movie, but and I'll never just turn from because oh they killed a kid I'm done, 
but it is fucking always rough to sit through the few times that I've seen films. I'm just like, ooh, ah, ooh, that hurts. There's very little in a movie that would make me be, be like, oh, I'm not gonna, I'm, I'm not gonna watch this anymore. Like that has, I don't think that's ever happened. Apart from like something being boring and me just kind of losing interest. But I'm thinking like of something shocking, where I'm like, whoa, I can't, I can't do this anymore. No, if anything, yeah, I'm like, oh, they're really willing cool. to do that. Then, like, what else am I going to see here? Yeah, look, I sat through a Serbian film, so it, it's fine. <laughs> see, I know what to expect with that, and I, I'm going to politely decline. Yeah, I saw far worse uh, happen to. I saw something that would make you make as a child you would actually want death more than what happens to that kid in that movie at the end. Okay, we're going to talk about that when we're done recording. Um, yeah, I, I mentioned, you know, I already mentioned Halloween ends, so I, we might as well go there. The beginning of Halloween ends where that kid gets flung off the balcony. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And it look, and what's funny is that that kid was a shit. Even I had to like, oh, my God, even like, even Michael Myers won't won't murder a child. Yeah, or at least a baby. Yeah, no, I, actually, that's why I first was like, why does he say Halloween? I was like, oh, yeah, the kid like I, I'm, I'm always trying to mentally block that fucking travesty of a film for me um <laughs> uh fair enough but yeah ah dude it, it yeah and what that camera did i what i love was like the camera did not i i give honestly like filmmakers a little bit of props when they were like we're not shying away we're going to give you a little bit because that film like you not only do you see him hit you see him fly back up and hit again and it's like jesus christ i don't the first, all right. So I've seen Halloween ends twice. The first time I was shocked. I was like, oh my God. The second time I couldn't stop laughing because that kid was a shit and that was pretty fucking funny. Yeah. It's, why would you stand at the door? If the kid's clearly trying to get out of there, why would you stand at the door, dude? Yeah, just earlier we saw him be like, you're not a ba- you're you're a shit babysitter and I'm getting me a fucking chocolate milk. And now it's, you know, haha, I got you. It's like, yeah, you. You kind of had this coming, kid. Yeah. Yeah. I, the less I'm shit kids we have, the less shit human, like adults we're going to have. I think that's a valid criticism of society. I wish that were true. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. I this, that's true, though. Yeah. Well, you know, it's true some days. Yeah. Um, yeah. So better watch out deals with killer kids and kids killing kids and kids filling up babysitters and it goes to some dark places yeah it definitely goes and um i mentioned before we recorded um you know i, I listened uh to some different podcasts when i listened to they were talking about this film and uh the the, the guests they had on it really just dug it like fucking went in, on into this film like just dug into it um should not like it and she was mentioning a lot of that stuff and how like you know to an extent i get like this film is dealing with a lot of dark subject matter um all under the veneer of christmas um so and again i'm not going down i i'm not i don't like to downplay other people's opinions especially when it comes to that kind of stuff um you have every right to obviously like that's what she took from it that's what cool um i personally disagree um just because to me this film isn't condoning any of that if anything it's kind of saying showing you why this stuff is bad and saying like it, it's not glorifying this kid in any way, shape, or form. It's showing you as an he's a he's an absolute shit. 
He's a monster. He's a psychopath. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So weird if you yeah. just like if you just watch like if you watch it up to him just tying up the babysitter and you're like, oh, this is misogynist. I'm getting out of here. Well, you didn't finish the movie. So frankly, I don't care what you think. Yeah. Finish the movie. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, as far as like the kid part, like, yeah, it you know, it's it's definitely an, uh, a common uh, not so common, but when they use it, you know, horror has fun with it that of you know killer kids because it's like you said it's kind of what we talked about with things like you know horror other than like holidays obviously not being sacred um they want to make sure that everything you think is innocent and safe can also not be innocent and safe um you know that's why home invasions are so popular inside of like the safety of your home and now the horror has come to you it's in your home um, obviously we talked about with post guys and the horror of like taking the horror into suburbia, which was kind of up until then, not exactly heard of, you know, it always took place somewhere that you would go like, yeah, of course something would happen out there. Um, and then with movies like this, it's saying like, you know, uh, these kids that, you know, we are as, you know, taught as a society, right. We are become parents one, if we become parents, but I don't say when, if, you know, we become parents one day, you know, you obviously want to raise them to be the best per- possible person, person they can be. You want to love them, care for them, all that good stuff. But what happens if they're a monster and a social, you know, a sociopath? Um, and again, that's what these kind of horror movies are asking. It's taking that and saying, like, what do you do in these situations when you have a kid like this? Because you know, sad fact matters. Unfortunately, it doesn't go to this extreme sometimes. But you know, serial killers exist, right? They were kids once, and sometimes they weren't exactly right as kids. So. Unfortunate fact is sometimes you deal with a future psychopath in your own house, you know? That's why I really like the bad seed because that question comes up, you know, the mom becomes aware my daughter has killed people maliciously, at least three people, and no one's going to believe me. I have to stop this. And she decides to act and doesn't quite go as planned. But the fact that a movie in the 50s was like, featured a woman saying like i have to murder my eight-year-old child for the good of mankind it's like holy hell this is is a powerful film for for this era Mm. that's a tough question because i said you know people forget that when especially obviously when like taking into real world serial killers like bundy or dom or gacy and all these people are like real life monsters you know what i mean and you know in some cases obviously they had very subdued childhoods but you never know like sometimes you have a kid that might have violent tendencies and you know and um potential psych uh, psychopathy and whatnot you know and how do you deal with that right how do you obviously it's you know movies go to the horror will go to the extreme to ask i doubt in real life parents have gone to the extreme like should we consider killing our kids i hope no parent in real life has ever had to have that thought process even when dealing with um quote unquote unruly children um Unruly might be a bit light for what we're talking about. It's an understatement, but, you know, (laughs) we'll we'll stick with that. (laughs) Um, But you know what I mean? Like, I hope that they haven't had to go that far. Um, That usually there are other means in the system to handle situations like that. Um, But obviously horror can go there and say, okay, well, what if it is that extreme? What if you go to the point that the only option is kill your kid? You as a parent, that even if they are a monster, even if, you know, in like the bad seat, she's killed people. At the end of the day, that's your kid. You love them. 
to an extent you do love them do you have do you, it's an in you to kill them if that is what it means to save like in that case right the greater good or in case of the omen mankind <laughs> or sorry humankind i i can't comprehend having those conflicting emotions of like this is my child i love them with all my heart but they've murdered people and they don't deserve to live. And I'm the only one who can do something about this. Like, how do you balance that? How do you wrestle with that? How do you live with yourself? If you make either decision, like that's insane. And people do have to, there are people who have had to deal with that. I don't think we know them, but like, you know, parents of serial killers have to wrestle with the fact that they're, you know, Dahmer's dad has to know that his son was, was Jeffrey Dahmer. Like, how do you fucking live with that? And that's, what's crazy. You know, it's like, People forget that part um, is that, uh, you know, at the end of the day, like, yeah, we we get so enraptured by the monster, per se, that we forget that at the end of the day, they are human, right? They're human beings that had parents that had lives just like you and me, and that, yeah, they're doing all the stuff that damages, but what what, is, what happens to the family? You know what I mean? Like, how, how does... How do you as a parent wrap your head around that if it's your sibling? You know what I mean? How do you wrap your head around my my brother, my sister, you know, my son, daughter, whatever, murdered people, like willingly, gleefully? Well, I often you know I'm always fascinated by the whole, you know, nature versus nurture debate. Like, are these people born monsters or does is a, is a switch flipped by some event in their life? Is it abuse? Is it, you know, impotence? Like what what? What creates absolute evil? It's such a it's a question we'll never really be able to answer because it's different for everybody. There are people who are born bad, but there's also like Bundy had an idyllic childhood, and then his girlfriend broke up with him in college, and he started murdering brunettes who looked like her. So like it, you never know really. It's 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 actually I think it's scarier that we don't know. There's no way to pinpoint this shit. Yeah, it's it's yeah it's terrifying. It. Mm. Yeah, the best you can do is just be a good parent and hope to God you're not raising the next Bundy. Yeah, yeah, just <laughs> be a good parent. Get you know, get with the times. Don't be like one of those that are fighting against the ever changing ward, and um, just do your best for them. Yeah, hug your kids, support their decisions, treat them like human beings, and maybe it'll work out. <laughs> you can't only you'll have a fighting you. chance at the very least. Jesus. Yeah. No, we hope that that got that turned into a dark conversation. Thank you for that. Uh, <laughs> all right. Let's talk a bit about better watch out. There's not a lot written about this because it wasn't that successful. So apparently when a movie's not that successful, everyone just forgets about it and walks away. That's what I'm learning on this podcast. Well, anytime you pick a shutter film, I love shutter, but I, it's like almost a consistent thing to try to get information. It's such a bitch. It really is. It's actually like I love doing the movies are usually really good, but the podcast becomes such fucking effort because I have to basically, you know, stretch five minutes worth of material into an hour somehow. <laughs> it's it's not easy. <laughs> no, no. Now you know my 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 issue sometimes when like my development hells on me on the bat or fucking scan. I'm like, what the fuck am I doing with this? Yeah, it's either a like a book written about how much of a fucked up production this was or an anecdote because everyone wants to forget about it. Yeah. Either one sucks, right? And then a quick script, I get done with them in like 10 minutes. 
but then I have to really get creative of like, how do I stretch this out? Or hey, do I go ahead and get creative? And we just do like a top five or some dumb shit. Um, but then with the ones that are like a tome, takes me forever to write the script. Usually I'm sitting there for 30 minutes to an hour or even more. I, I remember the Dark Tower. It took me, I think, almost two hours to write that damn thing. Um, but then the, the benefit is that I have a lot. I'm sorry, I don't have to come up with anything. Once the development holds on, I just copy all the shit I wrote down and I'm done. Yeah. And I, I, I pretty much do the same format. I look on IMDb. I look on Wikipedia. If there's a documentary about the movie, I'll try to watch that. If I have the movie, I'll look at some bonus features if that's an option. But a lot of these, you know, random streaming movies that weren't big hits, you know, you got to you got to take what you can get. Yeah. Uh, so Better Watch Out was directed and co-written by Chris Peckover, whose previous film was 2010's Undocumented, a horror flick about illegal immigrants crossing the border who cross paths with a gang of sadists. And these are his only two films. And that sounded intriguing. Uh the idea of you know illegal immigrants getting captured by people who just want to torture them for fun. It's like probably not yeah. a pleasant film, but interesting. Yeah, one of these was only two films. Hopefully he's working on something. Just taking a while. Well, this bombed so hard it may have made studios lose interest in him as a filmmaker. Oh well. That's sucks. Nice. Yeah, sucks when that happens. Michael Bay can keep making movies, but promising horror directors here are cut off after two attempts like for every terrifier two and damian leone we get unfortunate cases like this yeah we do that's why i like to spotlight these films and be like hey this guy was here he made this it's pretty good check it out <laughs> i like to do that watch it. his cruise power shot people so thanks but at least watch this movie <laughs> uh the film was shot in sydney australia in about two months it was supposed to be shot in america for 500 grand but then one of the producers like found out the guy was Australian. He's like, Australian? I'm Australian. Let's do this in, in Australia. I'll give you $3 million. He's like, okay. Uh, despite bombing at the box office, critics responded positively. The film's gone on to become a cult classic pretty quickly, mostly, I bet, because Christmas. People will see you know, Christmas lights on the poster. They're like, oh, we can watch this at Christmas. Well, that and uh, horror fans eat up Christmas horror films. Quite yeah. a bit. If it, if, I mean, I'm I'm very much, you know, guilty of that myself. Um, there's just something about mixing a festive, joyful holiday, and then saying, "Let's add a smidgen of horror. Let's add some blood, some guts. Let's have fun with it." Um, or make it sleazy if you're something like Solid Night, Deadly Night. Like, let's sleaze that shit up and enjoy. There's one phrase I can use to describe horror fans. It's this. This is why we can't have nice things. <laughs> and there's nothing wrong with that. I like a bit of sleaze in my Christmas movie once in a while. I can get hope all year around. Like, let's hey, let's get some, some bleakness. Hey, look. I can sit there and enjoy a Christmas story and how a Grinch, you know, how the Grinch stole Christmas, the various animated specials that exist, and then turn around and watch something like Black Christmas, Silent Night, Deadly Night, and in the Apocalypse. Um, this movie, like, easy. No, I can flip-flop between the two. Yeah, as can I. Nice. Uh, better Watch Out grossed less than 200000 on a budget of $3 million, which is pretty bad. 
but 188,000 was the total gross. Uh, that may be due to an October release date in the U.S. No one's watching a fucking Christmas movie in October. I blows my mind how many times studios do this. It blows my mind. Like, they're, I think they're just now starting to get better, but that's because of the streamers. Like, the streamers are like, look, we got this since you don't understand it. Because, um, <laughs> you know, like, like this year alone, right, we have, you know, Violent Night that just released, which if you haven't seen it, go check it out. Um, and then on a shutter and then them in the theater. So if it's playing near you, by all means, please support it that way. But we're getting Christmas, bloody Christmas, a new Joe Bagos uh, film. The guy who did VFW for those who are uh, want to try. He has other things. Um, I can't remember if I like bliss. I think almost human. A couple other things I'm forgetting. Um, but it's his newest film. And it's a killer robot Santa. And the trailer looks so fucked. Oh my God. It looks insanely good. Um, so yeah, and like they're getting better thanks to the streamers. They're actually like, hey, this Christmas horror film, let's release it on Christmas. Hey, this Black Friday horror film, let's release it on Black Friday, because that makes sense. I'm I'm just astonished that it took literally the entire history of cinema to finally reach this inevitable conclusion. Right? Like, people want to watch Halloween at Halloween, and they want to watch a movie like Violent Night at Christmas. Like, who'd have thought? Yeah. After years of things like, hey, Hocus Pocus, June, that should do well. And then they're shocked. Like, why didn't this movie make us money? It's like, well, because no one is thinking about witchcraft and pumpkins in June. Yeah, you <laughs> dummies. And guess what? Hocus Pocus 2, September 30th, like literally on the cusp of um October 1st. Biggest fucking hit on Disney+. Plus. Wow. It's really obvious when you think about it. Yeah, granted, obviously we... that's that's the fan base, but also like kind of hope that you did at the time that made sense because people were in the mood for it. Yeah, and you know as we've explored on this show and on Beyond the Bad, thinking just really is not the strong suit of most most Hollywood producers. No, no, it's not. I we've learned that really quick. Yes, we have. Uh, Better Watch Out has an IMDb score of six point five, Letterbox score of three point two out of five. Rotten Tomatoes score of 89%. Critics consensus reads, carried by its charismatic young cast, Better Watch Out is an adorably sinister holiday horror film. I agree. Finally, a concise, clear statement from Rotten Tomatoes. That's nice. <laughs> it is currently available to stream for free on Tubi, Peacock, Vudu, and Freebie, if you got that. So, you're able to watch a lot of places. It's on Shutter also. That's how I watched it. Oh, and Shutter. I watched it on Peacock because I, I didn't want to watch it with ads and I didn't know it was oh. on Shutter. Yeah. I'm pretty sure it's actually a Shutter exclusive, though. So. Oh. Well, good on them. That explains why there's fucking no information about this. Yeah. Shutter <laughs> being Shutter. <laughs> well, let's discuss the film. Um I um, I do want I, I, I as we're discussing some um yeah the three leads they were talking about I actually put it in my notes uh the three leads are the kid leads at least are phenomenal in this movie um two of which were actually in the visit I don't know if you caught that yeah the babysitter and Garrett are yeah from the visit yeah yeah they played brother and sister in the visit and then they came back for this um but yeah they are they all three are like really really good um and everyone else does a great job like i mean patrick Wilburn and uh matson were great to see and i was like oh hey but 
I I I I saw your video. I do I do agree. I would have liked more of them, but I'm just they made their time worth it. They did. I'm just a massive Patrick Warburton fan. I think he's one of the funniest fuckers on earth. And I wanted more of him just being kind of a, you know, sarcastic, probably not great dad. <laughs> he was clearly tired of his wife. I love like, oh, why'd you take these down? <laughs> I love when they're driving up and Virginia Madsen's complaining and he just goes, oh, they're just cunts. And he goes, she goes, what? He's like, nothing. <laughs> He's just he, <laughs> the delivery on that was so perfect. He's just so tired of her shit, and he's just like, "Yep." <laughs> like when she tells him, "You really want to wear that tie? Don't embarrass me." He's like taking it off, and immediately pulls out another Christmas tie. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love this! Just walking around with a box of ornaments, being like, you know, it's okay to like gay things. Like just not even unprompted. And the wife yeah. just loves to complain. About him, it's such a dysfunctional marriage, and you—I guess that's you know our explanation for why Luke is such a fucking monster. Yeah, it 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 makes somewhat sense when you see because you're like these parents, they kind of suck as parents and as husband and wife. <laughs> um, so Luke's plan is he's gonna bang his babysitter, and he figures he's yeah. That's when we see him and Garrett just in the room like discussing like tonight's the night. You know, all we got to do is watch a scary movie and, you know, it'll, it'll arouse her. That's all we got to do. It's like, it's, what 12-year-old fantasies? <laughs> Those are kids whooped by their discovery of porn. Um, yep. I love he's like, it's Maxim. I know what girls want. <laughs> God. <laughs> yeah, it... Look, like, if you want... Because you mentioned the babysitter. If you want a more wholesome take on the babysitter and babysitter... Um, relationship. Watch that movie. Where yes, you you know it's established. She has obviously a crush. I think it's pretty like oh, I I'd say it's probably normal for most most guys to at some point probably have a developed a crush on the babysitter. If you know you had an attractive one, but I don't know. I didn't have a babysitter. I was the oldest, so it was more like once I got old enough, I became the de facto babysitter. Um, <laughs> uh, but you know I you know it's a natural. I feel like it's naturally that just happens. Um. But and obviously up until the twist in that particular film, but being that you see a bit more of a wholesome, like yeah, he obviously has a thing for you can tell he has a crush, but he's not going there. He's just enjoying time with his baby, sir. This one, this movie goes. What if this kid was a psychopath and had an unhealthy attraction to his babysitter? I love that the wholesome option here is the one with the satanic cult and the brutal violence. Yes. And it actually stays wholesome thanks to the sequel. It does. It really does. It's a sweet it's a sweet natured film that just yeah, it's surrounded by a lot of blood and guts and that's you know, that's fine. Yeah. I did get a kick out of your text when you were like, I finally get it with uh Samara Reaving and I was like, aha, he's on my side now. Yeah, yeah, hard to not be as a heterosexual man, like you gotta be dead. Anyway. Um <laughs> Yeah, so Luke's plan, we don't know the whole plan. We just know scary movie, and that's all. He thinks that's all he needs. Uh, and Ashley comes over, and she's, uh, you know, she treats him like a 12-year-old because he fucking is. And she's 17, yeah. and it's not going to happen. 
Yeah, she's 17. Clearly, it's a sign she's getting ready to graduate and move on to college. She's, yeah, you know, moving on to the next phase of her life. So she's probably close to being 18. Um, and she's already established two dudes. Um, one's an ex. One I think is current or about to be ex or so. Yeah, it's current. Um, you know that she's dealing with. So yeah, no, she doesn't care about. And I think it's look, guys, young, young, young lads out there. Porn is fake. You will not always be banging your babysitter, okay? Most of the time, the babysitter views you as such that a child she is babysitting. I love that you felt the need to put the word always in there. Like, there's this slight chance, like, once or twice, it, it might happen. But don't get your hopes up every time. I, look, I, I want to say it never happens, but, like, I you know there's someone out there, someone that just isn't talking about it. Um... So I, I would love to say never, but I feel like the no human nature just tells me it's <laughs> otherwise. Um, so yeah, just let that be known. Like for those who have babysitters, they would either babysit you, push you to bed, and then go on with their lives. Sometimes, believe it or not, they have multiple kids they babysit because they are trying to make some money in high school. They're not your best friend. They're getting paid to be there. Sorry. Yeah. You can only hope your parents did a good job of getting you a good one that you get along with. I never had a babysitter. I had a big family. So anytime I had to be watched as a kid, we just, I went to an aunt's house or something. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. We all lived close. I did have a babysitter one time and it was in 2003, I think. It was the, yeah, it was 2003. It was the 10th anniversary of Days of Confused because my family flew down to Austin to go to that. And I ended up getting, I, I was along for the ride. I was, uh, at that time, 2003, I was eight. And um, I ended up getting babysat by my uncle's, at the time, girlfriend's daughter, whose name I don't even remember. And I remember we ate cheese balls, played the Hulk game on the Nintendo GameCube, and watched the movie Clock Stoppers. Remember that? Not, it rings a bell, but not. Yeah, it's not a great. It's like a Nickelodeon movie about time travel, like time stopping. I don't fucking know. But that's the one time I, I had a babysitter. That's, yeah, no, I. That's my story. I either, yeah, it was the same situation. I either had family that watched me when we lived, when we first lived uh, in the Beaumont area. Uh, family that watched me. Uh, like oh, if you live close to my grandma's, a nice house at ten. They just took me to my grandma's house. No, nope. stay there. Um, or an aunt's house or something like that. Um, I had uh neighbors that my mom was good friends with. They would sometimes uh come over. That was like once or twice they came over to watch me. Um, and that was about it. I didn't really have a, a babysitter. And then you know eventually by the time I hit like a twelve, maybe twelve, thirteen ish, when it was like, oh, we can leave you alone. Okay, you can watch your siblings. So, yeah, I've never had this babysitter relationship. I'm aware of it. I'm aware of that babysitters is a thriving high school fucking business. Um, it's obviously adults want an adult go out and do things. Get a get a babysitter to watch the kids, right? Um, so I, I get it. I think twelve years old's too too old for a babysitter. I think at that point you're aware of life enough to the point where like you're not going to accidentally like turn on the stove or something yeah 
you you could honestly argue they didn't need to get a babysitter, but it's also established that these aren't exactly the best parents. Yeah, they clearly don't listen to this kid, or they would have noticed that he's murdering small animals and basically torturing his best friend. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Got to be a little bit aware of what your child's up to. I don't even have kids, but that's basic shit. Yeah. So they start watching a, a horror movie, which I thought was Black Christmas, but I couldn't verify that. It kind of looked like Black Christmas. I don't. I've seen this only twice. I don't think it is. I have to look it up, but I don't think it is. Yeah. Uh, and Luke starts, he opens a bottle of champagne and just starts chugging it, trying to impress her. And she's like, it's not going to impress me just because you're drinking. And he's like, why don't you have a sip? It's such, it's so ridiculous. It's cringy to watch. Like, honestly, it's so, like, watching this again, like, this is so fucking cringe to watch. As someone who is about to turn 30 and has been legally drinking for a while now, dear God, it's like, oh, God. Uh, it just made me go back to when, like, I was young and, like, oh, if I drink, I'll impress them. And it's like, no, you won't. You just end up looking like a blubbering idiot. <laughs> yeah. And that's what happens. Because she's just like, why are you doing this? And they go back and sit and watch the movie. Guy shows up with a pizza. Ever explain where that, ha- when that, like, where that came from? The pizza. I took it as, like, he did call for the pizza and he was lying. But why did he order one with mushrooms? To throw her off. Um, okay. Touche. All right. I'll take it. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, uh, everything about this, like from the pizza to like him trying to talk about like her fucking dating life and like the leaning in close. I'm like honestly, and again, you know, obviously I get you know that that leaves a viewpoint, but I'm just watching it going, dude, this is so cringe. Like this is painful to watch. It's like, dude, stop hitting on your babysitter because it's awkward. She's not into it. Please stop. Please, please stop. She's fully aware of what you're doing, and she's really not giving off the vibe. Yeah, you are not subtle. Like I kept waiting for the yawn and stretch, but it didn't happen. No. <laughs> Look, yeah, and guys. For those who are dating, who are older and dating, and you invite them over to your place, maybe pay attention to her body language before you do moves like this. Yeah. For example, if she doesn't sit next to you and she sits on a couch like across the room or a chair on the other side, yeah, it's a pretty clear signal. Yeah, she's probably not. She probably just wants to watch the movie. Yeah. It is amazing how stupid we are, isn't it? Like It really is amazing. How the majority of, and mostly men do this shit, just misread signals so horrifically bad and create so many unnecessary, unnecessarily awkward situations that there is no coming back from. Yeah. The only way you can ever come back is really how you react after. Like, if it's like, if you're during, like, back off, you get the hint finally, you just back off and then, like, be like, hey, my bad. You can recover. But if you do, obviously, what he does in this movie, oh, no, I'm recovering from that. So Um, you're saying that if I really like a girl and she turns me down, I don't knock her down the stairs, tie her up, and murder her ex-boyfriend? Yeah, exactly. Okay, I'm going to have to write that down. I don't want to forget that. Unreal. Um, So yeah, he he, he basically like, you know, tries to kiss her, jumps on her, and is like trying to make out with her, and she's like, whoa, okay. No, 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 no. 
but she gets immediately distracted by something outside. And I was, I wanted more of like, you know, yell at him, talk him down, tell him to stop. Take away the fucking champagne bottle. <laughs> yeah. Start there. <laughs> that, Oh dude, I was watching. I was like, I forgot about this. Like take that away from him. Like he is 12. Like in reality, he like if we're again, I know this is movie, so I'm not I don't I hate being I don't like people that are like in re- actually in real life as you're watching a fucking movie. Um but in this case, but how much he was sipping from that thing and she did not take it from him for like the longest time, he would not have been able to execute the rest of his plan. Like he would have been drunk off his ass unless that shit had fucking water in it, actually. But she took a sip, she would have known. So that's why I'm like, well, that was clearly champagne or wine or whatever. Well, um, he mentions later that like he can hold his liquor better than Garrett can. So maybe he's been preparing for this whole night in various moments by like being able to hold his liquor. He better because he's both skinny and he didn't eat a whole lot of pizza. And anyone who knows skinnier you are. And if you do it on an empty stomach, you will get drunk a lot faster. Those are the rules. Science, biology, <laughs> folks. Um, so yeah, something's happening. There's people all around the house. Somebody keeps moving the big Santa, which was a good scary gag. And uh fuck turns out it's Garrett. Huh? But fuck that big Santa. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh Garrett's the one fucking with him, Luke's best friend who's just around. And she's like, you know, why were you in the backyard? And he's like, I wasn't in the backyard. And you're like, oh no, diversion. He's not he's not the real threat. There really is something out there. Oh no, lock the door. No, I like at this point the movie starts to really just fucking fuck with you. What's going to be at first? You're like, oh, okay, Garrett, why is Garrett doing this? Then he's like, oh no, I didn't in the backyard. And you're like, oh shit, no, there is actually someone out there. What the fuck? And Garrett goes to check on it and seemingly gets shot and blown off screen. And then we're like, oh no, Garrett's dead. And uh, they go upstairs okay. and they're hiding from these assailants. Yeah, I was going to say, uh, hardly knew ye, Garrett. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was thinking. Like, oh, wow, Ed Oxenbold really just took the check. But um, then he, then, yeah. yeah sure, I'll, do a movie. I'll do a movie with my, my on-screen sister again <laughs> for like 20 minutes. <laughs> oh, uh, So they go upstairs and hide in the attic. The spider comes back. I love that later we find out it's fucking Luke spider. Of course it is. Yeah. And, uh, she falls out of the attic and he like catches her. And he's like, I got you. Like it's fucking Titanic. <laughs> and he's such a deluded little shit. Um, oh, he thinks yeah. this is going to work. I know, right? There's no universe where this ever works in any way. It's amazing. Um, and yeah, they go, they hide in the closet and all of a sudden Ashley recognizes the mask that the, the bad guy's wearing and she storms out of the closet, takes off the mask and it's fucking Garrett. <laughs> With a real shotgun. Yeah. And I'm, I'm thinking like, what the, well, all right, what's going on here? I was audibly like, what? It's a good twist. It's a very good twist. Yeah. Cause then you're like, is he crazy? Cause like I said, it's, he's holding a real shotgun folks. Like that's not a toy. That thing is real with, and it's loaded. <laughs> yeah. And then Luke admits like, we were just trying to scare you. So you'd sleep with me. And she's like, you are out of your fucking mind. I'm going to the cops. And Luke takes his father's pistol and smacks her in the head. And she falls down the stairs. And I thought she was dead. Yeah. No, I like how this works, too, where she she he's like, Ashley, Ashley. And I'm thinking, like, 
oh, he's going to try to fucking convince her and blah, blah, Like, the first time I watched obviously I knew this time what was happening, but first time I'm like, oh, he's going to try to convince her. I was like, don't do it, Ashley. Go call the cops. Like, don't let the little shit convince you. And then he tur- she turns around and he slaps the living shit out of her. And I, I remember the first time I went, oh, what the fuck? I do love that moment where Garrett's like, okay, I'm just going to go put your father's hunting stuff away. Talk amongst yourselves. Like, he tried to just get out of this and she's like, you should you stay right fucking there. Ah, <laughs> oh, these idiots. Carrot, I'm going to put this away. Don't you move. Okay. <laughs> and then Ashley wakes up tied to a chair or duct taped to a chair. And we learn that Luke is completely fucking insane. And he's, he lures uh, Ricky to the house. I love that bit when Ricky's trying to get in the house. And Luke's just like, she doesn't want to see you. Go away. And he's like, all right, will you will you give her these flowers? And he's like, slide him through the door. He opens the door. And Ricky's like, just get the fuck out of my way. <laughs> just yeah. gets in the house. That was oh, Ricky's like, wait a minute. I like how Ricky has a moment like, wait, this is a 12-year-old. <laughs> I can just push him out of my way. <laughs> yeah, that was great. Um, yeah, then Ricky's dumbass gets, he gets knocked out by the bat. I love when he, Luke knocks him out. And then he's celebrating and Ricky gets up because this kid's 12. He doesn't have the, you know, he's not Barry Bonds. He's not knocking this guy down with one shot. And <laughs> Ricky starts fighting Luke and then Ricky gets it pretty good. Yeah. And I do like how, God, and this little shit of a kid, Luke, he, I, oh, when he does the little, like the noise he makes when he was getting beat up the, <laughs> or whatever the fuck it was like a wounded dog. <laughs> um, it, Yeah. It sounded like a fucking dog whimper. Um, it was like reverting back to an actual kid. Oh my god, it, it should make me go like, "Oh, this poor kid." But I am seething with anger. I was like, "Stop!" I'm like, "Put away the fucking act, you little shit." Yeah. I'm like, "Stop acting! You are doing all this shit. You have no right to act scared because some dude that you try to knock out beating you up. If anything, I hope he fucking beats the shit out of you." I know. In I, the beginning, like when we hear about Ricky and Jeremy, I'm like, "Oh, these guys are assholes," and now I'm like rooting for these guys. Like, get the kid. What yeah, I'm like, beat him up, break his legs, break his legs, <laughs> rip his arm off, do it. And Garrett shows up with the shotgun and is like, you know, freeze, and that's the end. Ricky gets tied up. There is that truth or dare sequence before that where uh, Luke feels her up. Yeah, just, that is. Uh, I do, and 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 again, this is a, a point of tension that um, was kind of brought up when I was set up so the podcast. Um, and again, I get this is a rough part of the movie to kind of sit through because you're like, oh, oh God, I don't, this is uncomfortable. I don't like this. Because, I mean, look, at the end of the day, any form of sexual harassment or straight up rape is uncomfortable to watch. Um, never, if you, if you're comfortable with it, okay. Um, that's all I got. But, mo- you know, for most of us, very uncomfortable to sit through, right? I will say again why this scene doesn't bug me that much and why I like the payoff is that as soon as he's done and he asked her how did how did it feel and she go and what was like her response was yeah. best. Like a child just felt me up. Yeah. Anytime she wants to piss him off, she just calls him a, a child. Oh yeah. So it was like, yeah, okay, yeah, you have to sit this uncomfortable scene, but the payoff of when he tries to have that moment of like how'd that feel? Like he really just assaults her and she's like, like a child felt me up. That's Totally like nothing. You are not a man. And then Garrett's like, "When's when do I get mine?" And Lou's like, "You don't get yours." He's like, "Well, why the fuck am I here then?" It's like, oh, God, it's so fucked up. Yeah, it's oh, you're seeing the mind of just 
like not like toxic masculinity at its like almost I hate to use the word but at its finest if that makes sense at its most charged because this is when it starts yeah it's it's hormonal teen like teens like hitting puberty that like let's say you take away the murder aspects it is clear that these would be the type to grow up and think like their shit doesn't sink that women should bow down to like they would be those toxic toxic masculine guys without a shower or doubt most so luke with garrett just groveling at his every fucking move yeah. um but that's like you know again if you take away the shit they're doing now and they were to grow up this is literally saying like the extreme of it and i think that's what this film does so well as they saying let's take the extreme of that and add it into like a fucking hormonal child yeah you combine raging hormones with toxic masculinity and misogynist views towards women and you get a you know future supreme court justice it's so twisted but it works because yeah. first off levi miller is fantastic as this fucked up kid and you just you buy it there's not a moment where you question his commitment to pulling this off i thought he was going to try to rape her like i kept waiting for that to, for it to go there oh, oh yeah it, it felt like it but thank god we didn't go that far not that they don't go far in other places but we didn't go there yeah, like when they test their paint can hypothesis on Ricky. <laughs> that I was did, crazy. Garrett's reaction though, when he was like, well, what are you doing? Like, I didn't agree to this part. Ricky gets, yeah, it turns out Harry and Marv should be dead. <laughs> so the paint can to the face does not just knock you down the stairs. It crushes your goddamn skull in. <laughs> yeah, I think he fucked him. I love that we didn't see anything but the paint explode and a trickle of red. I thought that was filmed beautifully. Yeah, yeah. It was like, yeah, it was a really well filmed shot that shows you like, this is what actually happens in Home Alone. (laughs) I've seen, like, there's been edits of people, like, doing realistic Home Alone injuries, and, like, in the second one, when Marv takes a brick to the face, his head just just caves in, and it's like, that's it? Or like, you know, Harry getting his head on fire and he just catches fire and burns alive. It was it was creative. It was cool. Yeah. It, like, I mean, look, this is not me downing Home Alone in here. I love the first two Home Alones. But for me, in, in like in all reality, he killed those fucking guys. Yeah. A few times. <laughs> uh, they're great, though. Uh, so after the paint can, Garrett suddenly starting to question his commitment to the cause. Because he didn't realize that there was going to be murder served tonight. He thought he was just in it for the sexual assault. Yeah. Garrett's not a good person. Let's make that clear. Yeah, let's make that. But another one of these these kids are minus, obviously, the babysitter. She is good. Um, yeah. But she just wants to go to Pittsburgh. Yeah. The two the two uh, male kids are fucking wait, like absolute trash human beings. That's putting it lightly in what happens in this movie. True. The next phase of Luke's plan is call the ex. Jeremy, the super douche, shows up and is psyching himself in the car. Like, yeah, yeah, fuck yeah. Yeah, I'm ready. Yeah. Like, I hate people who do that. Yeah. It's funny because, you know, he he was, uh, that's Dacker Montgomery, who played uh, Bad Boy Billy in um, Stranger Things. Seasons... Two and three, and he briefly popped up in four. Um, but I I saw his name. I was like that. I was like that guy's from Stranger Things. That was Billy, and um, 
but in Strange Things, he had much longer. He had 80s, you know, hairdo going on. Um, but so, yeah. So I guess it's been your week for Christmas, mo- violent Christmas movies starring people from Stranger Things, hasn't it? Oh, yeah. Violent Night. Look at that. <laughs> Wasn't expecting that that connection. Yeah. Um, yeah. So for those of you who are running, yeah. Uh, Dacker Montgomery before Strange Things. So this, yeah, that was before Strange Things when this came out. Um, but he look, he's playing playing pretty much the same character in this movie. Well, I love how stupid he is. Like, he, you know, Luke's outside, like, I need you to handwrite an apology. And he's like, oh, well, fine. Like, doesn't question any of this. Just sits down, <laughs> takes the marker given to him by a 12-year-old and writes an apology and gets yeah. And this In this movie world, there's too many guys that are listening to 12-year-olds. I know for a fact, if I was like, when I was 16, 17, I wasn't listening nor really talking to 12-year-olds. I'm, I'm surprised Jeremy didn't just, like, kick him into the snow and walk in the house. Like, why would he even listen to what this kid has to say? Yeah, like, why why are you listening to this kid? But the image of him, like, getting the rope around his neck and then the riding mower, like, dragging him up the tree was pretty haunting. Yeah, yeah, that was fucking, ugh. With Carol of the Bells playing, like, oh my god. <laughs> Brutal. Uh, so Jeremy's dead, and obviously Luke's plan is, Jer- you know, make it look like Jeremy came and killed everybody and hung himself in the backyard. Good plan. Yeah, he goes, like, it's premeditated as shit. He make he plants fingerprints. He mops up the extra blood. Like, it's yeah. <laughs> yeah. To the kid's credit, uh, he he thought that through. Yeah. And then Garrett tries to untie Ashley, and Luke shoots Garrett in the fucking arm, and then blows his brains out. Yeah, and this is what I was talking about earlier when I asked my question about like, look. Obviously, this kid's a shit, and I do not condone any behavior he is helping Luke partake in. But even then, it is still rough to watch this scene because it's very obvious as the film goes on that Luke has been manipulating and psychologically torturing Garrett for a long time. He's going into the mind space he needs to have him in. And um, in this moment... He, he's done with them it's like okay you were you're used to me is over um because you had a moment where you're trying to help your you you had your clarity moment you're trying to help her escape so now i gotta get rid of you and um yeah he shoots him in the arm i think in the stomach actually as well i think he does him twice at first like an arm in the stomach and um because that's when he's like i you know i'm bleeding in the again at um oxenbold i think is how you say last name his his performance in this part is great, and what really sells kind of like the part that even though as much of a shitty kind of was, it's like you feel. And again, the setup like kind of like how they did what you know, establishing like Luke's been manipulating him for a while. It, it's still kind of rough scene to watch, like his performance and what we kind of know about character is still kind of like oh god, because then they still a kid like I don't want him to see you go out like that, and just something about when he says like I I you know I I want to see my my mom or mommy or whatever he says when he mentions that line. That's when I go like, oh, and then yeah, Luke just blasts his fucking head off. Yeah. First he's crying, you know, he's kind of screaming, like, why? Like, why'd you do this? And then he just collects himself and is like, I was getting bored with you anyway, or something like that, and is immediately over it. Like, this kid has no soul. <laughs> just a brutal, mean spirited, angry little shit. Yeah. That uh Garrett. 
you know, not, you know, should have picked your friends better. Garrett, we knew ye just enough. We knew, hardly knew ye, bud. I know <laughs> that you should have picked better friends in life. You probably would live longer, longer, happier life. Yeah. Don't succumb to peer pressure. That's the big lesson of this movie. Yeah. Don't succumb to peer pressure. Try not to make friends with someone that psychologically uh, tortures and fucks with you for years. Just say no. Anyway. Um, <laughs> if your friend tell asks you, do you think it's a good idea to tie the babysitter up so I can fill her up? Say no and walk away. I feel like what you do in that situation is say, absolutely, let me go think about that, and then go call the cops. That actually is probably a better option. <laughs> yeah, Call the cops. So Luke reaches the apex of his plan and stabs Ashley in the throat. And we're at that point, I'm like, oh, God, he's going to get away with this. I know. I was, I was like, man, if this movie ends with him getting away with this, this might legit piss me off. Yeah. <laughs> like, look, I'm like, don't get me wrong. I love, you know, me. I love me. I don't mind me. And, you know, a good nihilistic ending. It's something that's kind of a downer. No issues with that. But it it really depends on the movie you're making, right? Like, it, it needs to make sense in regards to the movie. And for this particular type of film, it would not have sat well with me if they had it in with, like, Luke got away with it. I would have been like, fuck you, movie. Fuck you so much. Yeah, I know what you mean. Um, So, uh, Luke cleans up. He sets the stage. He waits for his parents to come home. Goes to bed. Parents walk in, bitching about the party. And you just hear mom scream, and all of a sudden she's like, "Where's Luke, guys?" Like, I thought that was that was well well done by Virginia Madsen there. Yeah, well, I mean, when there's a um, you know, a dead kid that your son shot and blew his head off, yeah, you would have that reaction. Four bodies on that property, all him. The cops show up, and he's like, "Fakes waking up." He's like, "Oh, what's what's what happened? What's going on? It's just innocent Luke here. I don't even know. I haven't the foggiest. What's going on?" And uh, I love when you hear, you know, one of them's alive. Like you just you you, ch- you start cheering. Oh yeah, when you hear that, you're like, one of them's alive, and you're like, oh, yes, yeah. I got so happy at that moment. Yeah. And uh, Ashley is wheeled to the ambulance, where they feel that she put duct tape on her wound, and haha. Fuck you, Luke. And uh, she just gives Luke the finger, and we just know, oh, that kid's going to prison. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Dude, it, I, I don't think I you remember, go to juvie for four murders. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I know he's 12, but they're, they, he would bypass juvie big time. Or three murders and one attempted. My mistake. Yeah. He he would 100% bypass uh, juvie for that. They They would send him to, like, the big time because that's like yeah um no i remember watching this the first time and like again this movie just loves to pull like mess with your emotions and when they were when he was like cleaning up and thinking like i was mirror center going fuck man am i really going to end on this movie with him getting away with it i was like i don't want that ending and then the moment you overhear that one guy be like oh hey someone's alive and they show you it's her and yeah she flicks him off you're like fuck yeah get him yeah Fuck you, Luke. Oh, good movie. <laughs> yeah. Did you see the quick little tease they did for a sequel that never happened? I didn't, but I, I read about it when I was looking at the plot synopsis. He's like, hey, I want to go visit her in the hospital. I'm really worried. 
Yeah, yeah. It's it's literally a quick scene where like they're like, Are you okay? He's like, Yeah, I just want to go visit her and I'm worried him. And no one around the apartment's like, No. But then I'm like, you know, and obviously it was a sequel tease, but look, if if we're being honest, like she it's gonna be pretty easy for her to pin all this shit on him. You think so, part two uh, was gonna be called Better Not Cry? <laughs> I think it was. Probably. <laughs> I like to think that she won and that there's no way in hell that kid is not going to fucking. Nah. You, yeah. He, you get, I don't believe in trying children as adults for certain crimes, but when it's that much murder, I say go for it. Murder and attempted new, well, sexual assault actually would technically, he may have felt a herb, even though he's 12. Still, that's within the moment of sexual assault. I was about to say harassment, but that's assault. Let's not forget the most horrible crime he committed that night. Underage drinking. Yeah, he went through a lot of it, too. I cannot stress enough how, like, this film makes us believe that he drank a lot and is able to hold... I don't care what line of dialogue you throw my way. I've always (laughs) been able to hold it down better. No, fuck you, man. You're 12. (laughs) And you're a fucking twig, kid. They had to explain somehow how a kid who just downed a bottle of champagne is still functioning. Yeah. Like, dude, I'm an almost 30 year old adult and I cannot drink a whole bottle of champagne and then still function. No fucking way. <laughs> ah, so not a lot of uh, trivia about this movie either. So I have two kind of lukewarm bits of trivia for you for filmgasm facts. So don't get your lower your expectations. <laughs> I never had them high for this segment, but go on. Ouch. Damn. Okay. Well, I'm not doing it for you, am I? I'm doing it for them. Who's them? That hurt. (laughs) Number one, despite the American setting, the sets were constructed with the 1.44 millimeter high door handles of an older Australian home, which American writer-director Chris Peckover called a source of distraction and frustration. I mean, I don't see why. Like, the houses are a little bit, a little taller or shorter. I don't know. The door handles are smaller, and that was a pain in the ass. I mean, that's the best you got for trivia. Are you kidding me? The door handles were this size. Who gives a fuck? That's really the best they got. That is the best they got. This is here's another one. Selena Gomez was interested in playing the role of Ashley, but opted to focus on her music career and her then upcoming revival tour. So Ashley could have been Selena Gomez. That that's actually pretty interesting. I would have been I would have been interested in seeing what Selena Gomez would have brought to the table. Hmm. Definitely, right. it's outside her real house. Fair enough. Everything else was like, hey, this person was in the visit. Hey, this person was also in the visit. Hey, this person did this movie. I don't care. I know that from the other bits of IMDb. I come here for interesting factoids that I wouldn't hear on the other pages. God damn it, people. Well, you know about doorknobs. I do now. Australian doorknobs are 1.44 millimeters high. Or meters high. Who, who, who would have thunk? I know, right? Life-changing information right there. Um, Remember in Australia, looking at a door, I'll know exactly how high it is off the ground. I can't wait to maybe have, maybe one day have the chance to go visit Australia and be slightly inconvenienced and mildly irritated by the different doorknob in a foreign country that isn't the one I was born and raised and continue to live in. Yeah. I'll close my eyes. I'll reach out to grab the doorknob and it'll be over here. Because 
that's not where the doorknob is in America and it'll ruin my whole trip. I just know it. <laughs> like it ruined the director's trip. Well, you know what? I'm just going to say in America, it's been decided. Yeah. I know I'm, where, I know where the doorknobs are here. It's, it's, I'm comfortable. <laughs> Fine. <laughs> Why I would I need officially. to go anywhere else? I'm officially annoyed by doorknobs in any other country that is in America. Oh my God. All right. I give better watch. I give better watch out an eight. Very smart thriller. Brilliantly defies audience expectations. I like it. I could, I could see it possibly going up with repeated viewings. Yeah. No, I, uh, I, I agree. I give it an eight as well. I like that it keeps playing with you. keeps keeps you guessing. Um, you don't really know what's going on. Um, I, you know, I talking about it now. You know, obviously, if you know, I, I can definitely get where people would have a certain feel a certain way, political wise, with some of the stuff this film represents or at least brings to the table obviously to discuss um but i think i i I don't mind the mess i think it handles this messaging quite well um and it's just a lot of fun in a weird demented sort of way that's horror for you it's a christmas horror movie if this was straight laced i wouldn't like it very very true (laughs) i want straight laced i'll watch it's a wonderful life if i want to get a little freaked out i'll watch better watch out uh thanks for listening everybody if you want to get a little nuts, we can get nuts. <laughs> yeah. Well, Batman, love that. I'm seeing Batman Returns on the big screen next week. I'm very excited. Oh, nice. Yeah. It'll be fun. That's one of my favorite Christmas movies. Oh. So if you like if you like our show, feel free to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Filmgasm Productions. If you want to suggest films for us to check out, you can email us at filmgasm at gmail.com or send us a message through the socials. Uh, check out our website, filmgasm.com, where we have reviews, articles, trailers, trailers of upcoming films, and every episode of all five of our shows. If you want to support the show through Anchor, you can click on support this podcast or your preferred on your preferred provider. We appreciate any donations. Next week, we're continuing our Brendan Fraser Appreciation Week that begins on Oscar Sunday. Years after defeating the evil Imhotep, Rick O'Connell, his wife Evie, and their son Alex live comfortably in England. But when a cabal of Imhotep's worshippers resurrect him once again, the O'Connells must once again fight the ancient evil before he can take control of the army of Anubis, awaken the Scorpion King, and conquer the world in the 2001 sequel, The Mummy Returns. We're big fans of the first two Mummy movies. Can't wait to dive into this one next week. We know it's not holiday-themed, but Brendan Fraser's big comeback film, The Whale, is getting a limited release this weekend, and we wanted to celebrate him on all of our shows. So it's Mummy, it's all Mummy all week. We're excited. Yeah, and after what uh, we'll get to, I'm doing what we're doing beyond the bed this week. I am looking forward to watching uh, a mummy film instead, somehow. Anyway, so. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean I, hey, it's not returns. I don't care if people say, like, I, like, I get the CGI of um, The Rock is not exactly the greatest. Um, I love that on Brendan Fraser's GQ interview, he even admitted, like, yeah, it looks like crap, but we had fun. Yeah, I'm honestly, it's a fun movie. Like, it's a fun sequel. Yeah, Returns may not have been critically acclaimed. It was highly successful. It deserves to be on this show, not on Beyond the Bad, where Tomb of the Dragon Emperor holds a special place. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, don't miss the Star Wars holiday special on Fridays Beyond the Bad. Uh, the Mummy on Oscar Sunday. And a new fake true stories centered around a league of their own and the origins of women's professional baseball that we just released this past Monday. In the meantime, I want to hammer this home. 
This is a message for all you 12 to 13 year olds with an attractive babysitter. She's never going to fuck you. It's a hopeless dream. Give it up before you go down a road there's no way back from. Keep that in mind and keep watching movies. Thank you.